Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Most of you have recognized these words as the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America from the document we now refer to as the Declaration of Independence, officially adopted by Congress on July 4, 1776. What a great day it was for America as we declared our independence from England. I'm going to review some information concerning this time in our history. In preparing today's program, I have certainly learned some things myself that I was not aware of, or even if I did know it at one time, it was so long ago that I have long since forgotten it. One well-known man from Virginia served as a delegate to the Continental Congress in Philadelphia in 1774. There he met Sam Adams, and together they stoked the fires for revolution. He called for the colonists to unite in their opposition to British rule. Quote, the distinctions between Virginians, Pennsylvanians, New Yorkers, and New Englanders are no more. I'm not a Virginian, but an American. But that was not part of his most famous speech. You will recognize this man when I read you what he said at the Virginia Convention of 1775. The group was debating how to resolve the crisis with Great Britain, through force or through peaceful ends. This man sounded the call to arms with these words, Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. 
I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And now you know this famous statesman and orator was Patrick Henry. There are several copies of the Declaration. Two copies have been found in the last 27 years. In 1989, a Philadelphia man found an original Dunlap broadside copy. Now, I want to tell you this. With the very first version that the men all signed was taken to Philadelphia to a print shop. And the man that owned the print shop was John Dunlap. They were printed there and they went all over the 13 colonies. And so those were called the Dunlap broadside versions. Anyway, this Philadelphia man found an original Dunlap broadside hidden in the back of a picture frame that he bought at a flea market for $4. One of the few surviving copies from the official first printing of the Declaration, it was in excellent condition and sold for $8.1 million in the year 2000. By July 9, 1776, a copy of the Declaration of Independence had reached New York City. With hundreds of British naval ships occupying New York Harbor, revolutionary spirit and military tensions were running high. George Washington, the commander of the Continental Forces in New York, read the document aloud in front of City Hall. A raucous crowd cheered the inspiring words and later that day tore down a nearby statue of King George III. The statue was subsequently melted down and shaped into more than 42,000 musket balls for the American Army. While the majority of the members of the Second Continental Congress were native-born Americans, eight of the 56 men voting for independence from Britain were born in Britain. One signer, Richard Stockton, a lawyer from Princeton, New Jersey, became the only signer of the Declaration to recant his support of the Revolution. He was captured by the British and thrown into jail. After months of harsh treatment and meager rations, Stockton repudiated his signature on the Declaration of Independence and swore his allegiance to King George III. A broken man, when he regained his freedom, he took a new oath of loyalty to the state of New Jersey in December of 1777. The oldest signer was Benjamin Franklin, who was 70 years old. The youngest signer was Edwards Rutledge, a lawyer from South Carolina, who was only 26 years old. On December the 23rd, 1941, just over two weeks after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, the signed declaration, together with the Constitution, was removed from public display and prepared for evacuation out of Washington, D.C. Under the supervision of armed guards, the founding document was packed in a specially designed container, latched with padlocks, sealed with lead, and placed in a larger box. All told, 150 pounds of protective gear surrounded the parchment. On December 26 and 27, accompanied by Secret Service agents, it traveled by train to Louisville, Kentucky, where a cavalry troop of the 13th Armored Division escorted it to Fort Knox. The declaration was returned to Washington, D.C. in 1944. The signed parchment copy now resides at the National Archives in the Rotunda for the Charters of Freedom alongside the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. There is something written on the back of the Declaration of Independence, but it is not a treasure map, as was the claim in the movie National Treasure. Written upside down across the bottom of the signed document is this simple message, Original Declaration of Independence, dated 4th July 1776. Those of us born in the United States may not really grasp how blessed we are to be living in this wonderful country, but millions of people around the world are quite aware of this great country that we live in. 
There are people who are literally losing their lives every day trying to make their way into this country, hoping for a better life in the land of the free. I do want to mention something I heard many years ago about Benjamin Franklin's son, William. Although his famous father was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, William remained loyal to the British crown. I want to read you a short biography of his life. Benjamin Franklin's son, William Franklin, was a devout loyalist. The younger Franklin was born in Philadelphia in 1731 to Benjamin and an unnamed mother. Historians believe his mother was either Benjamin's common-law wife, Deborah Reed, or a prostitute. The whole situation was covered up, as neither scenario was good for the son of an influential politician. William is correctly depicted as helping his father with the famous kite experiment, which proved conduction of electricity. He is, however, incorrectly depicted as a small child. William was 21 and earned a master's degree for this achievement. Things were going well for father and son until the American Revolution broke out. Benjamin became one of the leading voices of the Patriots. William was royal governor of New Jersey and stuck by the crown. For his efforts, he was arrested in 1776. Upon his release in 1778, he led a group called the Associated Loyalist. William and Ben lived estranged for most of their adult lives. William moved to England and had a meeting with his father in 1785. The meeting was brief and really tied up financial ends more than reconnected the two. Ben never forgot his son, however, dedicating his autobiography to William by starting with Dear Son. Since my program today is about America during the period in which we declared our independence from Great Britain and then fought them in what is known as the Revolutionary War, I want to tell you about the price that was paid for our freedom, because we all know freedom is not free. Don't ever forget we didn't fight just the British. We were British subjects at that time, and we fought our own government. Some of us take these liberties so much for granted, but we shouldn't. So take a few minutes while enjoying your 4th of July holiday and silently thank these patriots. 24 of the signers were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. 9 were farmers and large plantation owners. Men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence realizing that it might be the end of their property and life as they had known it. Five signers of the Declaration of Independence were captured by the British during the course of the Revolutionary War. Prison conditions were quite deplorable at that time. Abraham Clark of New Jersey saw two of his sons captured by the British and incarcerated on the prison ship Jersey. John Witherspoon, also of New Jersey, saw his eldest son James killed in the Battle of Germantown in October of 1777. Many of the signers were wounded during the war. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, lost ships during the war. Francis Lewis of New York had his Long Island estate raided by the British shortly after he signed the Declaration of Independence, and his wife was taken prisoner when she disregarded an order for citizens to evacuate. Lewis Morris had his property taken over, looted, and burned by the British when they occupied New York. Philip Livingston lost several properties to the British occupation of New York and sold off others to support the war effort. And the stories go on and on, because as the Declaration stated, they mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. These 56 brave men risk everything in the support of the cause of freedom. 
Today, we remember their sacrifice and we are grateful to them as we prepare to celebrate another 4th of July. These words penned by Catherine Lee Bates seem very appropriate. O beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved, and mercy more than life. America, America, God shed his grace on thee, and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. As I conclude this part of today's program, and as we prepare to celebrate another 4th of July, I hope we will all never forget their sacrifice and what it costs these men to help secure our right to liberty, life, and the pursuit of happiness. And now I want to shift gears and tell you about another kind of freedom. How would you like to be free from sin, free from the guilt and shame over things you have said or things you have done, free from shame over thoughts and feelings you have had, some that may have kept you captive for years, freedom from worry, freedom from addiction, freedom from anger, freedom from the fear of dying, freedom from anything and everything that keeps you from enjoying life to the full. Well, I have good news for you today. That freedom is available to you, and it is up to you whether or not you will make the choice to claim it. In the Bible, in John 6:44, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father but by means of me. And in John 8:32, the Bible says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But some of you may ask, How can I know the Bible is true? I'm going to explain this by quoting from William Fay's book, Sharing Jesus Without Fear. Quote, Let me ask you, how many people do you think it would take flipping a quarter before one person hits heads 30 times in a row? It would take a billion people. One reason I believe the Bible is true is because of the 30 recorded prophecies of the birth, death, and the resurrection of Jesus that have all come true. That's a lot like landing heads 30 times in a row. End of quote. From John 8.36, we read, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I want to read you a passage from Henry Blackaby's devotional book, The Experience, from the November 22nd reading. Quote, The world still sees Christianity as a set of strict rules that keep people from having fun. Christians know nothing could be further from the truth. We know that Jesus came to set us free from bondage, not to trap us into it. We know from experience that sin is the real slave master, and we know that Christ paid the penalty to set us free from sin's entrapment. We see all that Christ has given us. The only things he's taken from us are things we're glad to be rid of, despair, guilt, shame, and death. We've tasted the abundant life that Jesus offers, and we wouldn't trade this joy for anything. Some of us were at the brink of suicide with death looking better than life, but Jesus gave us hope. Some of us were fighting losing battles with addictions, but Christ gave us victory. Some of us were estranged from our families. Jesus brought us together again. All of us were headed for eternity without God. Jesus turned us around, and now we look forward to joining Him in heaven. Christianity is all about freedom, not bondage. If you're still living in bondage, then there is a truth about Jesus you have not yet experienced. Remember, Christ came to set you free. No matter what it is that's got a hold on you, drugs, anger, fear, guilt, Jesus has the power to release you so you'll be free to enjoy life as God intends. Will you let him? 
In the July 10th reading from Blackaby's devotional, he says that, quote, Having experienced both slavery and freedom, the Apostle Paul was determined never again to be entrapped by sin's lies. Even though he was free to make his own choices, he would only choose those things that honored God. Freedom is a wonderful thing, and there is no one who has more freedom than a Christian. Don't ever take lightly the freedom that Christ bought for you on the cross. Use it wisely. End of quote. But you may say there are many paths to God. In William Fay's book, he states you are correct. Quote, All roads lead to God. But here's the problem. What are you going to say when you get there? For God is either going to meet you as your Savior or as your judge. End of quote. What will you say when you are asked why you think you deserve to go to heaven and not to hell? The world can't give you righteousness, and that is what you're going to need on Judgment Day. In the Bible, we read in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. From the notes in the Life Application Bible related to the verses we read from John chapter 8, quote, People will die in their sins if they reject Christ because they are rejecting the only way to be rescued or freed from sin. Jesus himself is the truth that sets us free. He is the source of truth, the perfect standard of what is right. He frees us from the consequences of sin, from self-deception, and from deception by Satan. He shows us clearly the way to eternal life with God. Thus, Jesus does not give us freedom to do what we want, but freedom to follow God. As we seek to live for God, Jesus' perfect truth frees us to be all that God meant us to be. Sin has a way of enslaving us, controlling us, dominating us, and dictating our actions. Jesus can free you from this slavery that keeps you from becoming the person God created you to be. If sin is restraining, mastering, or enslaving you, Jesus can break its power over your life. End of quote. In Ephesians 1.7, Paul says, In Christ we are set free by the blood of his death, and so we have forgiveness of sins. Repeating John 8.32, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I want to read you this passage from the November 2nd reading in Max Lucado's devotional book, Grace, for the moment. Quote, Think of it this way. Sin put you in prison. Sin locked you behind the bars of guilt and shame and deception and fear. Sin did nothing but shackle you to the wall of misery. Then Jesus came and paid your bail. He served your time. He satisfied the penalty and set you free. Christ died, and when you cast your lot with him, your old self died too. The only way to be set free from the prison of sin is to serve its penalty. In this case, the penalty is death. Someone has to die, either you or a heaven-sent substitute. You cannot leave prison until there is a death. But that death has occurred at Calvary, and when Jesus died, you died to sin's claim on your life. You are free. In her book, Jesus Calling, Sarah Young writes, quote, As the Holy Spirit controls your mind and actions more fully, you become free in me. You are increasingly released to become the one I created you to be. Don't worry about what is on the road up ahead. I want you to find your security in knowing me, the one who died to set you free. From Isaiah 43:25, I alone am he who blots away your sins for my own sake 
and will never think of them again. Now there's a wonderful thought that when God forgives, he also forgets. From the notes concerning this verse, it says, How tempting it is to remind someone of a past offense. But when God forgives our sins, he totally forgets them. We never have to fear that he will remind us of them later. Because God does this for us, we need to do this for others. So we are dead in our sins and headed for hell and eternal separation from God and Jesus Christ unless we accept the free gift of salvation offered by God as we trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Our salvation is free, and it is our choice whether or not we accept Christ and the gift He offers us. But this gift came at a high price. Remember, there is always a cost to be paid for freedom. But fortunately for us, Jesus Christ bought our freedom from sin and its consequences, death and hell, when he died on the cross for our sins. In Colossians 2, 12-15, the Apostle Paul says, You were dead in sins, and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ, for he forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you, the list of his commandments which you had not obeyed. He took the list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. In this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin, and God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. End quote. Now you may be thinking to yourself, I have lived a sinful life for many a year and Jesus could not forgive me. Or I have done some terrible thing and Jesus could never forgive that. Remember these verses from Romans. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone? Are you listening today? Jesus paid the price for your freedom from sin. Call upon his name today and be saved. Don't worry anymore about where you will spend your eternity. Remember, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he promised the thief who called upon him that that thief would be with him in heaven that day. You can go to heaven too. Choose to call upon the name of the Lord today and be free for all eternity. Not because of your goodness, but because Jesus Christ paid the price for you to be free of sin. You can never get to heaven by doing good deeds. You can only get to heaven by Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through his blood that was shed for me and for you. From Psalm 32, 1 and 2. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sin are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. In closing, I would like to read from Charles Spurgeon's devotional, Morning by Morning, the reading for June the 28th. It is always the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus. But Satan's work is just the opposite of this, for he is constantly trying to make us pay attention to ourselves instead of to Christ. He insinuates, your sins are too great for pardon. You have no faith. You do not repent enough. You will never be able to continue to the end. You do not have the joy of his children. You have such a weak hold of Jesus. All these are thoughts about self and we will never find comfort or assurance by looking within. But the Holy Spirit turns our eyes entirely away from self. He tells us that we are nothing, but that Christ is all in all. 
Remember, therefore, that it is not your hold of Christ that saves you, it is Christ. It is not your joy in Christ that saves you, it is Christ. It is not even your faith in Christ, though that is the instrument, but it is Christ's blood and His merits that save you. Therefore, do not look as much to your hand with which you are grasping Christ as to Christ. Do not look to your hope, but to Jesus, the source of your hope. Do not look to your faith, but to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. We will never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our actions, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes simply on Him. Let His death, His sufferings, His merits, His glories, and His intercession be fresh on your mind. When you wake in the morning, look to Him. When you lie down at night, look to Him. Oh, do not let your hopes or fears come between you and Jesus. Follow hard after Him, and He will never fail you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. God bless you with the hope found only in His Son, Jesus Christ. May God bless America. Thank you for listening. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the lights from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, wide with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my. been listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carol Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come in to our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 